Well, good morning. It's great to see all of you. We welcome our guests and extended family. We're delighted that you're here. We missed you last week, uh, but we're glad to be home, and uh, it's, there's no place like home. We know Tucker did a wonderful job preaching, as he always does, but appreciate him very much as well. I want to begin with, with a familiar passage and then illustrate it perhaps in a unique way. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. A great, succinct uh, passage of Scripture that speaks to our salvation and the components involved and, and how, how God's plan has been carried out through the gift of His Son, Jesus. I want to share with you, and I've shared with this, some of this with you before, but it's been a while. But I want to remind you of something that happened to me when, I, when we were living in Fort Deposit, Alabama. Fort Deposit, Alabama. I have some uh, Fort Deposit connections. Several of us have Fort Deposit connections, not as many as we used to in the, in the Creekwood congregation. How many of you do not know where Fort Deposit is? Okay, most everybody does. You may not realize it, but I like to call Montgomery a suburb of Fort Deposit. That's the way I feel about, about this little community. It is a small community. I think in the 2020 census, it said it had about 1,250 people in it. And uh, when we lived there, we knew just about all of them. Uh, small town. Uh, if you're not familiar with it, uh, so if you travel up I-65 and you see priesters pecans that seems to capture a lot of folks attention that's fort deposit that's the fort deposit exit and it was not far from this exit that i had this experience that i'd like to illustrate some biblical principles from i was traveling home from flatwoods church where we had just done a gospel meeting and just crossed over the interstate there on highway 185 going into town and was just thinking about the meeting and the experiences of it and wasn't paying attention to my speed. You see where this is going. And I did, wasn't paying close attention when I passed the Fort Deposit city limit sign and then that 40 mile per hour speed limit sign until all of a sudden in my rear view mirror I catch a glimpse of these blue lights. And then everything just came back to me. Our Fort Deposit police force of two, maybe three officers, the one of the ways that they funded their department was by giving speeding tickets. Well, I looked down immediately to my speedometer, isn't that the normal response, and, and discovered that I was indeed going over 40 miles per hour. So I pulled over, rolled down my window, and, and the policeman named Lebo, you see in a small town, you get to know him very, very well, Lebo says, 52 and a 40, 52 and a 40. And all I could say was, yes, sir, I'm so sorry. I wasn't paying close attention. Here's one lesson. Justice is when you get what you deserve. Justice is when you get what you deserve. I admitted I was breaking the speed limit. I acknowledged that he would be just in writing out that ticket and having me go and pay for it. That's what justice means. Justice is when you get what you deserve. 
There's a deep spiritual application here. Justice is a biblical uh, concept as well. And God is a just God. It's the, one of the parts of the foundation of his throne, Psalm 89, verse 14. And so God is just when he punishes us on the spot for our sin. And all of us have sinned, Romans 3, 23. And the wages of sin, Romans 6, 23, is death. God would be just in punishing us with death the moment we sinned. But justice isn't the only quality about God, the only attribute of God. Let me go back to my experience. Window rolled down, acknowledging to Lebo, the Fort Deposit policeman, yes, I was speeding. And then these words proceeded from his mouth. How about slowing it down next time? And with jubilation, from tears to jubilation, no tears, I'm just kidding. I said, absolutely, I will pay close attention from now on. What Lebo did for me that day was he extended mercy. You see, justice is when you get what you deserve. Mercy, at least one aspect of it, is when you do not get what you deserve. God is a just God. His justice must be satisfied. But he's also a merciful God. And God wants to extend his mercy to you and to me. In fact, tonight, Lord willing, 2 Peter 3, 9, we'll take a closer look at this. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants to extend his mercy. He does extend his mercy. And part of that is that he's willing to not administer the punishment that our sins deserve. Napoleon was in power. He was commander of his troops. And there was a member of his army that had committed an offense twice. And according to the rules, his second offense was punishable by death. Well, this soldier's mother came to Napoleon pleading with him for mercy Napoleon's response, so I've read, is, well, he doesn't deserve it. To which this soldier's mother replied, yes, he doesn't deserve it. If he did deserve it, it wouldn't be mercy. Mercy. Mercy is when we do not get what we deserve. Let me go back to Fort Deposit. Speaking to Lebo, suppose he had done this. Suppose he had taken out his ticket book and, it, and had written out a ticket and handed it to me. And I accepted it, acknowledging that that was justice. Justice was being served. But suppose he said to me, Mr. Sergeant, if you'll just stop crying, I want to do something for you. And let's suppose he pulls out his wallet and he takes out some money and he hands it to me. And he says, go give this tomorrow to Mayor Craig. Yes, Paul Craig. We know we're on a first name basis as well in small town for deposit. This is plenty of money to cover your ticket. Had he done that, and he didn't on that occasion because he extended mercy. Had he done that, that would have been an expression of grace. 
Grace is something that we need, but we don't deserve. I deserve the ticket. I was extended mercy. But had I been given the ticket and here this policeman out of his goodwill paid for my ticket, that would be an expression of grace. Paul says, for by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Grace encompasses everything that God has done for our salvation. He is the one who who gave his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. Not his own sins, but for our sins. We were the ones, the wages of sin is death. We're the ones who deserve to go to the cross. But Jesus went in our place because that's how much God loves us. That's how much Jesus loves us. And Jesus died for our sins. He paid the price. He satisfied the justice of God. But at the same time, he was extending extending the mercy and the grace of God. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And every time you read about grace, it refers to something that's unearned and undeserved. Here are a couple of other passages that speak about the grace of God. 2 Corinthians 8 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. That statement is just packed with things I don't think we'll ever fully comprehend. What Jesus gave up in order to to come to this earth to to pay the price for our sins. How, How He, the Son of God, deity, became man and suffered as a man on the cross for our sins. He became poor so that we might become rich. And that is an expression of His grace. Based on this passage and others, I like the acronym for grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. Because of what Christ offered for us, we obtain, we receive the riches of His grace. Ephesians 1 verse 7, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. And whenever we see that word grace, referring to the grace of God, it emphasizes the undeserved nature of God's action. He didn't extend His mercy and grace because we deserved it. He extended it. He offers it to us through Jesus because we desperately need it, not because we deserve it. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Faith is our response. Faith is what gives us access to this grace of God. And when you read about faith, a faith that pleases God, it's always going to include three components. CTO is the way I'm going to remember it from now on. CTO, conviction, trust, and obedience. It's an active faith that's convicted not only of the reality that God is, but that Jesus is the Son of God. And we are convicted of those things based upon the evidence that's been supplied to us. But it goes beyond just a mental assent 
or that conviction. There's a trust factor. We trust God. We trust His Word. We trust His promises. We realize, based upon that, that we can stand on His promises because God is faithful and true to His Word. But faith, God-pleasing faith, also always includes obedience. Obedience. Acting upon the will of God and the command of God. So, by grace you have been saved through faith. What kind of faith? A faith that's convicted and trusts and obeys. But even with that trust, convicted, trusting, obedient faith, that's not to say we earn it. Because we can't earn it. We can't do anything to merit our salvation. That's why Paul says it is the gift of God. Again, the nature of this gift of grace is because God extends it to us. It's not because we deserve it, but because we desperately need it and because He loves us that much that He'd be willing to give His Son so that we might be saved. And we accept that, that gift based on our trusting, obedient faith. Not, it's not of works. Our salvation is not of works lest we should boast. Folks, here's our boast. Here's the only thing we can really boast about. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. There's the only thing of which to boast about, if you will. Not about our own goodness and our own God is so lucky to have me, and I'm so deserving of His grace. That's far from the truth. The truth is we don't deserve it, but He loves us that much that He extends it to us, and He did it through the gift of Jesus, Him dying on the cross for our sins. That is our boast. I'm a child of God. You can say I'm a child of God because of, of the love and the grace that God extended to me through Jesus, and I've appropriated it through my convicted, trusting, obedient faith. Beautiful text, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, that speaks to our salvation. But we often stop there, and I want to take, take in one more verse with you. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That word for connects the previous verses with this text. Based upon the fact that you're, you're saved by the grace of God through your faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works lest anyone should boast. Because of that, you are God's workmanship. The Greek word for workmanship there is the word from which we get our word poem. Poem, poema is the Greek word. Poem is is a variation of that word in our language. And what that indicates is, is that we are God's work of art, if you will, a masterpiece. In Christ, you receive God's grace and become His work of art. You are God's work of art as a child of God. How so? Because as Paul would say it, if any man is in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he's what? 
He's a new creature or a new creation. We've been recreated. Our sins have been washed away by the blood of Jesus as an extension of God's grace. And we stand justified in His sight, cleansed of our sin through our accepting it through, through our faith. And we become His work of art. He takes a wrecked, broken, distorted, misguided life and as the, in the words of a song, he makes something beautiful out of it. And the beauty is because of his grace that's been applied to our lives. And that blood of Jesus that cleanses us from our sins. We are God's handiwork. New International Version states it. But as you look at that, if we walk away thinking, okay, we're God's work of art. And he sets us up on a shelf for a display. We've missed what Paul is saying because he continues. Yes, we're God's work of art. We're God's poem for all to see what he can do through Christ in a, in a life that deserved death. He made alive and he cleansed and, and made something beautiful out of it. But it's not just to sit on a shelf for display. Keep reading. Created in Christ Jesus. Why? For good works. We've been saved by grace through our faith. We've been become God's workmanship. We've been recreated in Jesus. God's work of art for a purpose. And that purpose is for good works. The means of salvation is the creative act of God in Jesus. And the purpose of our salvation is that we might do good works. Which God prepared, Paul continues, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Some see in that statement the idea of predestination. That God mapped it out and, he's, and, he's, and he has uh, predestined these opportunities for acts of service. I view it rather as... This is God's plan for his, his redeemed people. That our lives be characterized by good works. That's God's plan. We're saved for a purpose. In fact, I like to say it succinctly. We're saved to serve. We've been created, recreated in Jesus to serve, to do good works. Here's a companion passage, Titus chapter 2. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and, and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us. Why? That he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, but go to the end, zealous for good works. Zealous for good works. He gave His Son Jesus to redeem us, to buy, to buy us back, to pay the price for our redemption, to purify for Himself His own special people, making us His particularly. To what end? That we might be zealous for good works. That we might embrace that salvation and as, as a demonstration of our gratitude, live out our lives in Jesus by serving God, by serving others. 
That's the full picture. I read about uh, Michelangelo's famed sculpture of Moses, created in the early 1500s. And I was directed to some, some detail of this sculpture, this masterpiece. Unique to this particular masterpiece is the depiction of a small muscle in the forearm pictured on the right, you see near the elbow, that, that crease there and the muscular definition. This particular muscle is usually invisible unless and until it is contracted to raise the small finger. You see, Michelangelo was so detailed in his sculpting that Moses' pinky being raised causes that muscle to be defined. And that's just one of the reasons why it's considered such a masterpiece because, it's because of the, the attention to detail. But at the end of the day, as magnificent a sculpture as it is, and as brilliant a sculptor as Michelangelo was, this is a work of stone. It's in stone. And it's marvelous. But I want to direct your attention. We are God's workmanship. Not to be creatures of stone, but to be filled with life and zeal and enthusiasm and gratitude for what God has done for us in Jesus. That the muscles that, that may be defined in our bodies as we serve Him by serving others may be used and utilized to engage in serving others because that's God's design. We weren't saved by grace through our faith just to be a display on a shelf. We weren't saved by grace through our faith just to, to keep that good news to ourselves and say, well, I'm, my ticket is punched. I'm on my way. We're saved by grace through our faith so that we can engage in, in the service of God that's demonstrated by our good works, by serving other people. And in so doing, well, Jesus said this, let your light so shine that they may see your good works and do what? And glorify your Father who is in heaven. We engage in good works not, not to receive the attention ourselves, but to direct attention to the one who saved us by his grace through our faith. We've been saved for that purpose. We've been saved to serve. So put it all together now. By grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Two questions. Number one, have you been saved by the grace that comes through accepting it through your faith? The offer is there. You don't deserve it. None of us do. But God loves us anyway. And he wants his justice must be satisfied. And he satisfied his justice 
by giving his son to die on the cross for your sins and mine. So that through Jesus, he extends his mercy and his grace, offering to us something that we don't deserve, forgiveness and salvation and life, but that we desperately need. The way we accept it is by being convicted. Yes, Jesus is the son of God and he died for me. It's by trusting his word. God promises God commands, I trust his word to the point where I'm going to be obedient to it. And those initial steps of trusting obedience are confessing that your faith in Jesus. Saying he is the son of God. He died for me so that my sins can be washed away by his blood. It means turning from sin and repentance. Turning to follow him as a way of life. It means being baptized into Christ so that his blood can wash away your sins. And if you've not appropriated the grace that God wants to extend to you through those means, why not this morning? Why not this morning? You can leave here being able to quote this personally, personalize it. I've been saved by grace through faith. Not because of anything that I've done, but because of what God has done for me. And I've accepted it on the terms that he has given. Have you been saved by grace through your faith? Second question. If so, have you continued to follow Jesus who went about doing good? Acts 10, 38. Have you continued to be zealous for good works, watching for those opportunities that are all around us each and every day, recognizing that that's why we've been saved. We've been saved to serve, not to selfishly live life for our own personal benefit, but to serve, to engage in good work. Will you live out his purpose for your, for your life? If you are subject to the invitation of Jesus, if you're ready to accept his offer of grace through your trusting, obedient faith, we hope and pray that you'll let that be known. If you need the prayers of the church this morning, as one who has wandered away and needs to come back home, or as one who has something weighing on your heart that you need your church family to pray with you about, we'd love to do so. And won't you come right now as we stand and sing?